Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, leavers, believers, and everybody. Welcome back to Leaving Hill Song. My name's Tanya, and this week we're going to be doing something a little bit different again. Because we're going to be looking at various aspects of mental health, I thought it'd be really important to kind of to start at the very beginning and just have a look at counselling outside of the church. For a lot of people, they don't like to take anything sacred outside Christian circles. And so I had a chat with a mental health social worker who happens to be a Christian. Her name is Petra and I really gave her a hard time about how you can have faith, have a profession and be able to help people who are Christians and people who aren't. And the answers were really, really interesting. So I hope you enjoy this really off-the-cuff chat about mental health, God, Jesus, social work and everything else. And I hope it's useful for you or someone you know. Here's... A journey they take for themselves. Hi, Petra. Hi, Tanya. How are you? Good, good. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Thank you so much for joining me, us. You're welcome. 
here at Leaving Hill Song. This is a bit of a different one because uh, you and I really haven't spent any time at all talking to each other. So I'm going to be learning as we go. Me too. <laughs> Thank you. So, well, I mean, let's, I mean, let's kick off with, you know, tell me a little bit about you today and how you got there. So you're a counsellor. Yep, I'm a mental health social worker. Okay. So for many, many years I worked as a social worker in public mental health, in adult mental health, but also in um, age mental health. Mm -hmm. And then for a while I worked in palliative care for six years in community palliative care, which was fantastic working in nurses and other mainly social workers working with people and their families as the a person who was dying mm. and working with this and supporting the the families and offering um, bereavement counselling afterwards. And then I decided, well, I'd really like to take off on my own. So I applied to become a mental health social worker through the Australian Association of Social Work. Wonderful. And now I run my own little private practice. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. So have you had areas of special interest or expertise? I mean, you were just doing palliative care. What what yeah, takes you brief- at the moment? You're working with people experiencing bereavement stuff now. I do a bit of that. I also mm-hmm. work, I'm really interested in older people and Wonderful. Their, um, their mental health So and offering cool. counselling often in nursing homes okay. and and carers who are caring for older people or people with disabilities or their spouses. There's not enough resources going towards any of these, hey? No, there isn't. There's there's a few things actually in New South Wales at the moment um, where Anglicare has a um, a brief to go into nursing homes okay. and offer counselling up to six sessions. And because since the COVID outbreak, mental health social workers and psychologists can go into um, aged care facilities and offer um, a counselling th- and with a rebate oh, from Medicare. Okay. But there's not much, no, not much, especially with, for carers either. Yeah. Yeah, good. Well, you must have seen some pretty tough things in your time then, the whole rain. Wow. Absolutely, yep. So, I mean, I'm just thinking now there's probably you pretty tough, Um, probably not a lot of stuff you're scared of taking on at this point. Hey, if you've done six years of palliative care, that's... Does it get tougher than that? I don't know. I I think it does in private practice. You've got other things to worry about because you've got no one to back you up. So you have to do risk assessments and, you know, you don't know who's going to walk through the door. (laughs) What what am I afraid of? (laughs) I I was just thinking of, um, you know, you don't know what you don't know, but you're scared that you don't know everything. And you don't know everything. So a good basis and a good range of skills to, to offer people. I don't know that I could. I, I mean, I understand the palliative care stuff, the staff find it incredibly rewarding. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. It's yeah. incredible. And it's not as scary as you think. You know, mm-hmm. people are people and when they're facing death, you know, you get the range of, of emotions and reactions mm-hmm. from people who will work with you and want to work with you, especially on their spiritual stuff. And then people will go, nah, don't want anything to do with you and I'm not dying. So <laughs> I don't want palliative care. <laughs> so I don't know that 
there are tougher kind of spiritual moments to take on or encounter either then are there I mean that's as real as it gets isn't it that's as real as it gets and it's really interesting palliative care my anecdotal evidence was that there are Christians out there doing palliative care and Buddhists they are both willing to face the concept of suffering right so it's not just death so, but suffering okay suffering and death yeah so yeah it was really interesting and it was the first time really that I was allowed to bring in the spiritual in my assessment. So we talked about biopsychosocial spiritual mm. assessments. All right. Okay. In the circular public mental health system, you, you didn't go there. You didn't yeah. you didn't you, touch the spiritual. You wouldn't be allowed to really deny no, people that in palliative care, like you know. No. You shouldn't be denying it in in severe mental health either. You might not be religious, but you could be spiritual. I think we're all spiritual. Interesting. And I wouldn't push that on someone if they didn't think they were spiritual. Let's drag you back to our our questions on the show. You're not from Hillsong, though. No, no, I've never actually been to a Hillsong. Was it Dutch Reform that you went to growing up? Yep, grew up in the Reform Church. Okay. I can say it in a Dutch accent, too. You didn't grow up in an evangelical church. You I grew, grew up, up with lots of evangelicals. I went to a Christian school. Oh, so okay. So and you went to a Dutch reform church growing yeah, up. Who set up the re, who set up the Christian schools? So to a the Christian school movement was set up by the Reform Church people. Where was this? All over Australia, they set up the Christian Education Network. Yeah, so lots of the Christian schools around, not all of them. Hmm. Not the Pentecostal ones or the church schools, but the ones who are parent-controlled Christian schools, as they used to be called, hmm. were, um, yeah, the brainchild of many a Dutch Reformed church. As we were talking about just before, uh, the Dutch Reformed church were very strong in South Africa and yeah. responsible for a lot of apartheid uh, practices. Yeah. There were justifications yeah. for racism that, that they there was. They were, and I think the Australian Reformed Church were were one step removed from, uh, like a huge step removed from the Africana Mm, mm. Reformed Church. They were migrants straight from Holland, not from South Africa. Right, of course. What was that like growing up there? Is it? Look, it was was good, but it was very um, good Bible teaching, really good Bible teaching, really um, great community, but it was very much a, a closed community in a way. A little bit like other, you know, fundamental churches. And what we, be, you know, we were taught what the Reformed Church believed was correct and right and you couldn't argue. I mean, that's a common thread, yeah. isn't it? I mean. Isn't it? A th- yeah. And women were, wouldn't, women had their place. And at 21, I went, I don't know if I can do this anymore. So huh. I, I was doubting and that was good. I mean, I, I'm guessing there's not a lot of room to doubt in that system no. or anyone no. to go and have a chat to about it. You can't question. And as a woman, there's no official avenues because you're not part of whatever, you know, the deacon deacon or synod. That is to say, though, that apparently things are different now. So I can't comment on now. That was 30 years ago. All right. So you start doubting. At age 21, what had led to that? Mm. Uh, are your family involved and everything? 
the minister used to call my mum a feminist Christian, Christian feminist, which she wore as a badge of honour. My mum was amazing that way. She was um, a sociologist, social worker as well. So she, you know, she was a little bit more educated than I guess the average person in the Reformed Church. But they they stayed. Mum and dad stayed. But they were a bit concerned when I did leave. You know, if I, if I was going to go Anglican or something, that would have been okay. When I, but I went Baptist. So. Oh, okay. So, so you said to them, like, I'm still a Christian, but this church isn't for me. Yeah. This isn't for me, yeah. So because it was very, very difficult for them. But conservative, that kind of thing? I, I, I went straight to a very, uh, you, have you heard of Tim Costello? Yes. I went to the church that he was running, him and his wife in St Kilda, and it was amazing. Oh, I'm sorry, what are they? Home. They're the Baptists, yeah? Baptists, but very social justice orientated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So very different, isn't it, in some really Very different. So I felt mm-hmm. home, at home, yeah. You're allowed to doubt, you're allowed to question, you're allowed to oh. rejoice and be happy as well, you know. Well, okay. like yep. human, human range of human stuff. Yep. And then is that where you are now? Like is that what happens after that? What happens after St Kilda Baptist? I couldn't afford to live in that area anymore, <laughs> so we went to eastern suburbs, suburbia in Melbourne, so a range of churches. But now we're at a uniting church and we're feeling very much at home yeah lovely <laughs> no, the last 17 years we were at do you remember john smith and the bikey bikey can the god squad yeah I so do. we were at a sort of that church Ground it was quite a social justice the same um, sort of thing yeah community stuff yeah. community-based stuff i went to tlc for 17 years fantastic church in outer east suburbia melbourne i'm wondering how how much more liberating those kinds of environments were for you compared with the growing up experience? No comparison whatsoever. No comparison. (laughs) Absolutely freeing. Absolutely, um, you know, being at home, feeling at home. Yeah, just going, yeah, these are my people. These are my, this is my tribe. Was there a conversion experience along the way? Uh, no, I, I, I guess I came to faith in my teens saying, yep, I do believe this stuff. I tried not believing for a while at uni. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, I've got to, got to try not to believe, but it didn't work. <laughs> I, I do actually believe that there's something bigger than just me and that it's important to be connected, connected to other. Awesome, awesome. All right. Yeah, I do believe in Jesus. I Definitely, yeah. And, and, and I know while I'm pretty left-wing, I've got to say that. Am I allowed to say that? I do walk, like we talked about before, I walk a very tight, tight, tight rope of belief in definitely the fundamentals that Jesus died, yeah, rose yeah. again, died for my sins, but not just my sins, not just me, 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 hallelujah, but us, a lot more us than just me. Yeah, so I, 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 I get really, I've got to say that I've never really liked Hillsong songs. I know that might be a little bit radical to say, but it's all about me, 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 hallelujah, amen. Okay. TLC has their own brand of music. Okay. Um, there's some really fantastic songwriters out there, apart from, from Hillsong, who write some really good songs. No, and there's not. hymns. There's the old-fashioned hymns. Say Don't what? mind an old-fashioned hymn. <laughs> what, one that isn't like Jesus is my boyfriend kind of thing? 
Yeah, never, never quite got that. That oh, creeped me out. Do you start studying straight after school? You jump into social work? Yep, straight into social work. Unbelievable. Who yeah, it was a bit, bit early. Who would, who, who would have done that? Yeah, oh. it was a bit early. Okay, and okay, so this is interesting. So you've come to a kind of a place, like a, a, a fairly firm place about your spiritual beliefs and mm. your profession as well. Yeah, absolutely. You, yeah, starting in mental health early on as yeah. well. I mean, you've you've grounded yourself in these things and things. my vocation. I I think started when I went to St Kilda Baptist and we would be in church with people with severe mental illnesses who came from the local boarding house and we would be in community with them and I went I want to work in mental health didn't know what I was I did not know what I was expecting and it was full on but it was good yeah, it's it can be just so cruel and unjust. Hey, and you, it is, and you don't you feel like sometimes you're just doing band aids. It was the system is not great. How do you integrate faith into counselling? Yeah. Well, you know, you go to uni, you do a, a social work degree. It's you know, it's kind of it's got a framework and stuff. How do you then? Yeah throw faith into something like medicine or psychology or, or social work yeah. and I mean yeah big can of worms um it is a big can of worms it, it's hard to describe the other side of that yeah. being how important it is for people with faith to know yeah. that they can access counsellors professionals yeah. who share absolutely. their values absolutely so I guess that number one when you're sitting in a counselling room as you would know or um, in, in with anybody that you're encountering with on a professional level, is you ask you start where they're at, where the client is at. So I have clients who have a full on faith, beautiful Christian faith, okay. and I'm not going okay. to evangelize to them about my faith. I'm I start where they're at, start where they're at, and where their issues are, and whether the, their issues. Um, like the sort of work that I do, I work from an ACT perspective, which is acceptance commitment therapy. Uh-huh. And yeah. that's, that, that melds beautifully with the Christian faith because it talks about your values and what are your values. And, you know, the crap that, oops, am I allowed to swear? The crap uh-huh. that your life throws you sometimes puts you off your values. So counselling is all about bringing yourself back to that. Where Where okay. are you feeling, you know, so your thoughts and your emotions and your behaviours and, working through that and from a spiritual level as well you know when you were talking about a biopsychosocial spiritual assessment for those people who didn't make great decision of choosing social um can you run people through please what like a what a biopsychosocial assessment is and that's something to me that's quite measurable that if i did it um if i assessed somebody and you assessed somebody we'd come to pretty much the same conclusions how do I then how do you then throw in spiritual I ask them I just say so have you got a um, a spirituality about you that um, underpins your life that is important to you and you know invariably they say oh no I'm not religious oh oh, yes I'm very religious because our our society hasn't worked out that there's 
religion and spirituality are two different things, but they can be together. Does that make sense? So I can I'm I'm a Christian, but I also did a, a grad dip in spirituality, you know, a post grad to think about spirituality. So well, my how do you do it in spirit? Like what what do you study? Like mist and go right. for what i mean that's it's, it's not measurable it's not yeah. scientific mm, is it no it's not scientific i guess it, it it's based on your, your belief system isn't it and you i'm a person who is very spiritual but not religious will say that you know they like to meditate they like to go into nature and 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 feel grounded and i my christian faith grounds me just like their spirituality grounds them okay I had heard that places like New Zealand working with Indigenous people, they have that spiritual component just inbuilt to all their social justice. And we're getting that more and more with our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander folk and their their spirituality, how important that that is. Across the board then, I mean. It should be, yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't go and talk to an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person without talking about their spirituality and their right. and, and their connection to to country, um, who their mob is. You look at a person and go, okay. You look at their bio. Their bio. Their, have they got any illnesses? What are their diagnoses? Uh, yeah, their health. Their health. Psychosocial is a little bit about their background of you know their childhood and their teenage years and the, their psychological makeup. Then the the social the sociological bit where you go okay your family unit then the bigger system you know um, socioeconomic status or um, employment education how important all of that is to them and then that's the psycho the spiritual yes getting on to the spiritual where are they at spiritually and what does that mean does spirituality mean anything to them and if it doesn't it's okay. I don't sort of say, well, you have to have one. I say, yeah, yeah. well, sometimes it's important for people. And I'm not saying, are you religious? I'm saying, is there a spirituality about you that that connects you, that grounds you, that connects you to the other, to other people? It might be, you know, it might be your cycling group that you feel so connected to them, you wouldn't be able to live without it, you know, and that doing exercise is a great way to meditate. You know, you never know. What if someone says, I'm an evangelical Christian, I believe in the literal interpretation of the Bible. How do you integrate those values into what we would call secular training? A lot of people have been warned against going outside of Christian circles to get help. Yeah. Particularly with emotional stuff or particularly with uh spiritual talking about your relationship with god with someone who doesn't necessarily share such strong values you know and i can understand that and that's why um i think people like me and quite a few other professionals like social workers and psychologists and uh, occupational therapists i think we're in a unique position to totally understand where they're coming from that 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 deep faith is so important and the spiritual and the emotional psychological are so wound up together mm-hmm. how do you compare a relationship with almighty god to your sciences from 100 years ago thinking of i remember when i got in a little bit of um you know my life went a little bit off track um yeah 
in my 20s and there was, you know, all this hysteria and people had suggested going to counselling and I said to my mother, like, you should go to counselling then. And she said, I don't need counselling. God is my counsellor. And that was the end of the story. That was it. Um, So, you know, for someone like that, and, I mean, she's a particularly private person. Anyway, what's the benefit in you then? Why should they talk to you? when there's another fundamentalist Christian that understands? I think because I'm one step removed and objectivity, you know, they've they've done studies, you know, that I'm objective. I'm not going to put my personal opinion to them. I also, I'm not from their community, so I'm absolutely removed. So they can talk what they like in my room. Oh, my room is, tempting, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my room is a sacred space. It's an absolute sacred space. No one is going to hear anything. Okay, it's confidential. And Except, of course, if someone says they're going to kill themselves or kill somebody else, okay. then of course, mm-hmm. and that is also discussed that the boundaries are there. The boundaries are very strict, and I think that's what's unique. That's well, it's not unique about me, but that's what's special. I think about going to somebody who you don't know but you know has a common faith see I think that's so great in terms of you know we've heard sorry we've heard so many of these stories of people sharing you know in a really vulnerable time with their pastor or the pastor's wife or somebody like that and the information goes straight back to other people I I find that that my heart aches hearing that I just think that's just horrible you know, really exposing people. Yeah. Where else can they go then for some private yeah. conversation? Uh, well, that's where systems need to be set up, I think. If, if a church is going to offer counselling, then you set it up within professional counselling guidelines. I mean, even the Christian Counselling Association has, you know, guidelines to, to confidentiality and you break them and you're in big trouble. Same with psychologists, same with social workers. We have guidelines. We have ethics. Okay, and and it's professional bodies that oversee those. Yeah. Well, you know, there's all that controversy over the the Catholic Church mm. have said that they won't go along with reporting laws. I think, and oh, know, when they're in the confessional, yeah, they'll keep that yeah. sacred and they won't. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. 
juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Report. I don't get that at all. It's a concern for people, you know, very much that church people traditionally look after their own. Um, I'm not connected, I guess, to a church institution. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, even if you were a fundamentalist Christian and I'm a fundamentalist Christian, we're going to have two different understandings of what what we do and I just wonder how that yeah. How do you integrate that into counselling, which is yeah. like, it's the same thing I hear you. Yeah. year after year? Yeah. And I guess the thing is, I guess, is that um, apart from, you know, you you, you meet your, the client where they are, it's also holding back my belief system in a non-judgmental way. I think in that counselling session there's this, thing that goes on where I am actually you know that being present with the person and hearing what they have to say not judging it one way or the other but saying okay well is that sitting right with you you're coming here because maybe it isn't sitting right with you that would be very difficult for a lot of people to know and it wouldn't happen necessarily on the first session it might take quite and it depends on their level of what they're bringing that what they're bringing mm-hmm. and the I mean, and possible trauma that you know I know that you've been talking about a lot over the last months a lot of people wouldn't even know what it is to think if anything's all right with them because they've been taught you know to to decide whether everything's okay according to the book or according to a leader or yeah. someone's yeah. interpretation are you seeing people leaving churches and things like that or I haven't seen as much. People are staying in, you know, people, I've seen one person from a similar or the same. The people that I find are are really struggling are the ones that are, say their their son or daughter has has, um, said that they're gay and coping, coping, just this two polar things happening. They, They love their son or their daughter, but their faith is so committed to being right. anti-gay. What do you do in counselling with that? How do you I do? See, that's, well, that's a great example. I mean, these are really set right. own values. It's not easy and it's about they have to be true to their own values, but it takes a while, you know, getting to a point where you go, I love my son and I love God. I'm going to have to be grey. I'm going to have to just sit there. But it's not for me to judge where they get to. It's it's the journey for themselves. How does that happen? Tell me, please, if I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm listening to you now, I've never been to counselling before because I've never had anything major happen to me. Yeah. Um, and I think you're manipulating people and watering down Christianity by making it grey. I don't understand. What are you doing? 
Yeah, well, then they might not come and see me because I'm, <laughs> the reality is right. that okay. life, is, well, life is grey for me and maybe that is my theology coming through in the work that I do and you're right. Yeah, I mean, how do you help people navigate things? Possibly navigate it within their very black and white view. Have you got anyone well, that comes to mind? Yeah, okay, someone that, um, no, I'll just make someone up, someone who comes and they're very anxious and they do a lot of praying and that doesn't seem to help and very fundamental black and white about their views. I would introduce the, the concept of Christ-centred mindfulness which is a concept that because, because, you know, often Christians have a, a view of the Eastern religions as being really bad and, and, and we, we won't go there and that's fair enough. That's what some people believe. We, in the, especially in the Protestant area, have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. So we've, we actually have 2,000 years of history of contemplative prayer and beautiful ways to be mindful in an absolutely Christian perspective, Christian way, be still and know that I am God, knowing, being present and knowing that God is there. So I introduce a Christ-centred mindfulness for them to connect with God's creation, to connect with themselves, connect with others. And people will love it. And a good friend of mine's written an amazing book. Can I plug it? Yeah, it's called Christ-Centred Mindfulness <laughs> and it's by Dr Catherine Thompson. And you could buy it at Kurong. I mean, that's fantastic. Like, that's a really beautiful yeah. example of yeah. how the two coexist and work yeah. together then for people. And it doesn't have to be opposites. It doesn't have to clash within that, within your, your you know, very fundamentalist Christian perspective, which is I'm not judging. That's where you're at. Right. You, can, you can tackle your anxiety. You can tackle your, your stress with these strategies. Right. The aim of, and that was the old school understanding, I mean, the aim of your work is not to counsel people out of a relationship with God. No, you know? absolutely not. That I mean, that, that fundamentally goes against my code of ethics as well, doesn't it? Or to water it down or to get them over to no. the uniting way of thinking. No, no, absolutely not. Well, I guess the proof's in the pudding. Yep, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's... It's about integrity, isn't it? And it's about saying out up front that, you know, this is, again, what you say is confidential. This space is for you. What you say is important. You are the person who needs to be listened to. I have a wealth of knowledge and, and skills, but I'm not going to make you think my my way of thinking of a worldview. Such incredibly powerful things for people who may never have had that opportunity yeah. to have privacy and confidentiality and to actually yeah. self-determine. Yeah. That's a big old yeah. social work phrase, self-determination. Yeah. Self-determination, empowerment, mm. agency, absolutely. They're not non-Christian values. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I guess the other thing that I often say to, um, to Christians who you know, maybe self-deprecating or, you know, don't see that they're, um, it's important to love yourself. And I just always come down to what, what Jesus said, that what is the, what are the two big commandments? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, which is body, mind and spirit, 
and your neighbour as yourself. And I think we forget that as yourself bit so often. We can't love others and God if we're not loving ourselves. So working on loving ourselves is a really important aspect often in the therapy sessions. Well, you'd be being disobedient then, wouldn't you, if you're not loving Yeah, them. Yeah, that's right, because it's a commandment. Traditionally, people who haven't had much experience of therapists sold that whole idea of people lying on a couch and, you know, sharing their secrets. And, I, um, yeah. you know, for years and years at a time, Woody Allen. Yeah, that whole thing. Yeah. And um, yeah. I think the kind of counselling that you're talking about isn't that kind of thing. Like it's. No, no. Sometimes people come for one, but inevitably they come for more. Often it's under the mental health care plan, which is the, mm-hmm. you know, the Medicare thing. People come for six. And at the moment, because of COVID, we can extend it for another 10. I have a, a number of people who come from you know two or three right three to twenty yeah how many do people need depends on what they're they I guess what they bring to the table a person came the other day saying I've lost all this money I've been scammed just by sitting down with one session talking about it also confessing to family and finding that so cathartic and helpful and getting on an antidepressant the second session we only we just concluded that he was doing okay you know you know that I didn't cure him you just had a chance to sit with a stranger and go blah I mean that's a holistic approach that's not just you know being yelled at and and told you've done a wrong you were showing compassion and I guess empathy in 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 that space. He already felt bad enough, wow. and then also you know the good social work stuff of referring on to other places that are going to help. You know, I think we often forget to do that. So again, transparency and not keeping it in house and yeah, I mean, no, I just, I mean yeah, I, it, it, all you need is for someone in your family when you're at a church to to work there or volunteer there and. You know, if you're yeah. in counselling there with somebody and a file gets leaked, and that would frighten me enough not to, not oh, to Same. Oh. Yeah. And then if you, you know, I mean, too many stories of participating and then it going really badly and not appropriate processes to follow through with, yeah. you know, the secular world. See, I don't, I grew up not making being very anti-secular spiritual, that dualism in life. Okay. So I have this I have this philosophy that all of life is to be given to God's glory, whether you're a garbage collector or the prime minister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I don't talk about secular music and spiritual music and worship. I think everything you do is worship. So I am always coming against that evangelical Pentecostal viewpoint anyway. So okay. Is your behaviour going against your value system? And I'm assuming that's why you're here. That makes, okay. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I'm not there to absolve anyone. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, people aren't going to radically change a belief system. They're not going to lose their faith and they're not going to find a faith. No. 
because that works in terms of mental health as well, which is, as James was saying last week, like whether it's in context. Yeah, absolutely. The mental state examination is, is, like it is fascinating when someone has hallucinations or set delusions and they're, it's so interesting that they're often within the context of their culture. So you will right. believe you're Mary, mother of Jesus, if you're in a Catholic system, yeah. or you might yeah. believe that you're Muhammad if you're in a Islamic system. So those, yeah, you don't see people in India being paranoid about the CIA. No, that's oh. right. Yeah, it is all fascinating, but you have to, like I guess James was talking about last week, is you know through assessment is working out whether it's more a a um, personality issue or a actual oh, psychotic. Oh. I really like that idea that you can meld the two. Meeting people where they're at, which is, again, very different from, you know, the fundamentalist Christianity says you better get over here and meet me where I am and where we expect to be, yeah. And then everything will be fine and you'll be happy. Mm. And yeah. that's the end. Yeah, And then that idea of working with people on their individual their own value systems what's important to them that's not going to upset the apple card or rip anybody's faith away from them in in fact the opposite from what you're saying hey it's reinforced yeah yeah. and look whether you're a christian or not a christian whoever comes they've never had counseling before it's pretty scary walking into a counseling room Mm, mm. and i have you know the I had someone the other day, she was so anxious, but she came back and she was so much better. I said, what's, what's changed? She goes, oh, I know what I'm finding. I know who you are now and I'm much more be- I'm, I'm better because I know what I'm to expect. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah it's, I don't like going to counselling. Oh, no. The ones that, that come along, they go, oh, it's not too bad. You've got to process sometimes through talking, I think. That all really does make so much sense. I, I I have been thinking for a while about, you know, more vulnerable people who exist in the fundamentalist world, in the evangelical world, women with children, anybody who people know where they're going, you know, someone who might want to go to counselling but they don't get any free time and people are going to say, yeah. exactly who are you talking to and sharing yeah. our secrets with? somebody with no faith or different faith and that's why just talking today about the the value of counseling just as simply as that is Mm. has been so wonderful sarah was talking on another podcast about being really really kind of hesitant about talk therapy due to having been involved in all these kind of manipulative pastor circles and you know she's like I want therapy for my trauma but I don't trust these people because I know the techniques of course there's art therapy which is absolutely beautiful you know less talk and more um coming from your subconscious doing work putting it out on paper or using clay and also using that for trauma because of course you know trauma is all about not being connected, you know, your body, mind and spirit not being connected and not being grounded. So using beautiful art therapy for, for that sort of thing. I, I, I'm not an art therapist as such, but I love using anything that's tactile, even colouring in, that sort of thing. Clay, clay work, 
just to get people. Yep. There's so many different options. I went on a social work placement and I went to, I was sent as a student to support a client who was quite unwell in a pottery class. And oh. I didn't know I could do pottery and, and I loved it. I couldn't yeah. agree if you saw it, but, you know. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It's right. the symbolism of what comes up for you. Yeah, it was amazing. And you can find inside you when you try. So it was crazy. And, of course, I'm, I, I just remembered one of my favourite therapeutic tools is my um, box of Playmobil small figurines. You know, when you were little, you had Lego. That was a bit too small, but the, the European small figurines. I use that and people can get their subconscious and what they think, you know, what they, with asking them questions like doing something like memory, like going down memory lane and remembering parts of your life and putting yourself out on a board as a little figurine. And that's another way to get people, you know, using cards, using teddy bears if they're children or young people. Using that artistic side of things is is just beautiful. and, and Just so many different approaches, you know for people to access yeah. something and it doesn't have to conflict with anything that's precious to people. If you, you know, believe in God, God has made people in as, you know, he is the creator. He, she is the creator and that made us very creative as well. So using our creativity in this space of learning about yourself and coping with life, I think is a lovely way to go there's a lot of people in in crisis and often in faith communities there's really no access to kind of mainstream services that could help people as well and counseling often you know it fits in that role hey where someone will go yeah. to see a counselor but they they'll know a lot of the other places to go next yeah. that referral service stuff yeah mm. yeah it's just invaluable with someone like you who's had this experience and you know who's where and who does what what i can recommend if people don't know and are desperate go to your local neighborhood house it's sort of church for non-christians really okay uh, the places where you can go and be connected and they'll be able to refer you on to the next where to go the other thing is your gp your gp should be knowing what the um the services are in the area when do you break the confidentiality if they're quite unwell and you know they're suicide unwell mentally so on the brink of thinking that they might want to take their own life because of the level of stress that they're under i i'm a, a lone operator you know i'm a sole trader i am not a crisis service I can't support them day and night. Mm-hmm. I work collaboratively with people. I wouldn't just do it without telling them. I would say, hey, you know, this is what, remember the thing that we talked about at the very beginning, when you signed that piece of paper about confidentiality, we really need to to talk to someone else. Mm-hmm. But this is what mm-hmm. I plan to do. We're going to talk to, I'm going to ring the cat team. Or I really think that you need follow-up services. And um, I know it's scary, but, we, you know, there are people around you who can help you and you really need support in this area. I love that collaborative word. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. to, so what if they say, no, I don't want to go? 
then are we well, not so well, it's my it's my duty of care to actually okay. ring and then it's you know your choice um unless that you know then then the whole in that scenario the whole mental health act comes into play and or yeah or, or if they're you know under age and they've disclosed sexual abuse okay you have yeah. to do something i mean and there's, those are laws, but there's a lot of comfort i'm thinking to know that there are places where people can go and they're not going to get you know some mixed up response they're going to get the same right. legislation every time legislation with care and love like yeah. you know i'm not doing it against you i'm doing it because it's part of sure but i'm i mean i'm thinking about domestic violence where you know yeah. women know that at least if they came to you it's not going to be swept under the carpet and closed ranks yeah. that you yeah. have to even if you don't want to you follow the law yeah, yeah that's right that's yeah. wonderful we live in the world i know we're not supposed to be of the world but we do live in the world I mean, most people don't have as much hesitation going to a mainstream GP or, you know, getting a mechanic to fix your car and not doing it yourself. And it's, it's interesting how mental health is so taboo compared to, say, if you've got diabetes, you'll go to your GP and get medication mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. We're just out of that generation that, you know, would say, oh, what, you're going to a counsellor, you're going to a psychiatrist, you must be something very wrong with you. and. Mm. That wasn't a long time ago, and I'm pretty grateful that the next generation are really just smashing that stigma out there. And and talking about it, yeah, not even hiding that, saying, yeah, I'm out there doing that, and it's really helpful. (laughs) So you should too. Um, Again, you know, connectedness is so key, you know, connecting them, getting them out of isolation. Petra, thank you so much. You're welcome, oh. Tanya. It's been absolutely wonderful meeting you and um, and and chatting. Such a wonderful perspective. So important. Thank you for sharing it. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, no problem at all. Okay, thank you. No worries. Bye. I'll um catch you later. Catch you on the flip side. Ah. Bye. Yeah. And a big thank you to Petra who took a bunch of questions like a tennis ball machine from. All kind of angles because these are some really complex issues but above all it's really important to get help with people who are professional and people who are trained and know what they're doing and it's really okay to do that. While we're on the topic of mental health make sure you check out the saturdaypaper.com.au from last week where I put a little piece in about PTSD and former Hillsong members because it's time to start naming the harm that's done. Uh, that was also matched up with an appearance on the 7am podcast. So check those out if that's your interest. Or even if it's not, just go and check it out. Like, share, subscribe, do all those things. Please uh, follow us, support us, help us and... This week's episode has an amazing sponsor, but I will tell you all about them next week. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Keep being kind to each other. Be kind to yourself. Give yourself a break and keep leaving Hillsong and we'll talk soon. Bye.
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.